Welcome to Gals Plains, the podcast where two best gals explain anything and everything to each other better than any man ever has. This week, we're diving into understanding yourself through the Enneagram and how to snake a drain. Did I say it right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from a friend? I'm Michelle. And I'm Claire. Hey, Claire. How you been? I'm good, BFF. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Just a warning to you and all of our listeners. If you hear me with a scratchy throat and a cough, I do not have COVID. I literally got tested yesterday. Um, I'm just, you know, a little under the weather. Aw, this is like the worst year to have a cold because you might get a scratchy throat from the weather and then your anxiety might be like, ooh, it's COVID. <laughs> and it's, well, this is getting into like, you know, how New York is handling things in like my specific area. But like, it was even worse because I had to stand in a five hour line in the cold to get COVID tested. And I was like, this is certainly not helping any sickness I have. I was like getting more of a cold yesterday just from standing outside. That's uh, the worst. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's it's all good now, though, because I know I'm negative. So at least there's that. Woohoo. Um, Michelle, I wanted to say, speaking of the cold and wintery, last week we talked about battling the winter blues a little mm. bit. And I was talking with uh, some friends and some listeners this past week about their ideas for battling the winter blues, which we will shout out more at recess. But the biggest one that people said was, oh, so if stimulating yourself helps with winter blues, is that why so many people have been decorating for the holidays so early? I totally thought you were going to go somewhere else with that, Claire. <laughs> <No>! Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're doing this. I thought we were non-explicit, but... <laughs> You're the only one that makes it explicit. Uh, that's unfair. <laughs> that is unfair. <laughs> Wait, that makes sense, though, going to the um, PG route. Yeah. Well, I know here, no matter what you celebrate, it's so fun to like walk around and like see lights up, but just seeing like bright lights on people's houses when it gets dark at five o'clock at night is really fun. Right. That makes so much sense because we talked so much about light last episode. Hmm. Yeah. I think a mood is so helpful, like setting a mood um, and and your space can really stimulate you in different ways. So I know we have already decorated for the holidays in my home. I will have to send you a picture, Michelle, because it's a lot. Really? Oh, man. You're going to have to post that on Instagram, too, now so our listeners can see what your uh, setup is for your winter blues. I know. I wish I could have everybody over for a big holiday party, but no, don't no, do that. Don't do There's that. a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, what kind of person would uh, throw a holiday party? You know, I think you have a really good way of figuring that out today with um, Enneagrams. Can, does, does that possibly help with that, Claire? <laughs> Is that a good transition? <laughs> uh, sure, Michelle. I'm going to yes and you. So I do want to say, uh, before we started this, I asked Michelle to send me her Enneagram type, and she sent me her Myers-Briggs personality type, which is letters, and I responded, no, Michelle, it's a number, one through nine. So 
I you are ready to learn something that you seem to not know a ton about. Okay, I think I I think now that I know it's numbers, I think I'm whatever the mediator is. But I'm sure we'll get to it. I'm sure you'll find out exactly. We'll find out exactly what that is. Yeah, I'm excited I'm to know. So, <laughs> I'm so excited for you to know this because honestly, it's so much fun to explain this to people. You know me. I love like explaining this kind of stuff to people. I'm a very, as our listeners can tell from the last five or so episodes of where my topics have leaned. I like to share information, uh, give people helpful advice. So <laughs> that's what I'm all about. If that helps you figure out what I am. Yeah. In it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the Enneagram is a tool to help you understand yourself better, to help you find the best path forward for your self-growth and your self-development. I'm all about learning how to advance forward, how I can better understand myself. Um, We do a lot of work a lot of times in this space where I feel like we're learning about how to better communicate with other people. Like when we talked about apology languages a few weeks ago or uh, love languages or any kind of like, oh, I know that person is this Myers-Briggs personality type. So this is how I should communicate with them. Um, I know in workplaces, they often take personality quizzes to see how everyone likes to be best communicated with. But what I like about the Enneagram is it's for you. It's all about understanding yourself better. And yes, you can use it to understand other people, but it's really about your own self-development and your own self-growth. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of beauty in that. Well, because I think the reason I have never really looked that into Enneagram is because I look at a lot of other personality things already. Like I look at astrology, I look at Myers-Briggs, I look at all of this stuff and it's just like, okay, I'm done trying to define who I am through these things, you know? It it gets tiresome being told what you are all these times, but what makes this different? Yeah. Yeah. I I think, and I'll say the best way to learn what Enneagram you are, and I'll get into more about what they are, is to just learn about them and listen and decide what resonates with you, which is what I like about it. You don't have to take some personality quiz. You don't have to answer a bunch of questions. It's all about you and what you resonate with. So it's not like someone else is putting you in a box. It's more like you're going towards what you feel resonates best. I see. That makes sense. Yeah. So Enneagram actually means a nine pointed figure. And there is a picture that goes along with it, which you might have seen. It kind of looks like a superstar inside this circle with nine points to it. And each point on the Enneagram is a different type. And each type centers around a universal human struggle. We might relate to all of them because they're all human struggles and we've probably all felt all nine at some point, but normally there's one that we resonate with the most. It's the essential problem of one type or an essential desire that that type has. Um, We might resonate a lot with that. You, You might even get like a little embarrassed when you hear the basic flaw of each type because you might be like, oh my God, that's me. And if you get embarrassed and you relate to it a little bit, that's okay. But you and your embarrassing (laughs) quizzes with the apology language and now this. I I don't find any of this embarrassing because 
I like to be an open book in learning more about myself because it's just who you are and like be un- unapologetically who you are. The cool thing about the Enneagram is it doesn't change. They say that you develop the Enneagram, what type you are when you're a child, and it's not supposed to change in your life. So you're not like, huh. ooh, I'm a type one, but I really want to be a type five. It's like, no, just accept where you are and, and all of them have wonderful things about them and wonderful celebrities and politicians and and world reformers that um, have been those types before. So I I just think all of them have beauty and purpose in our world. Huh. It's kind of like going back to my love for Greek mythology. When you read Lightning Thief, they say every demigod has one fatal flaw. And it's like you just have to figure out what your fatal flaw is or it'll get you. Like, I feel like this is showing us what my fatal flaw is and what your fatal flaw is. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll walk you through all nine types of Enneagrams, all nine points on the Enneagram. And... um, Keep in mind, you might resonate with a lot of them, but there's typically one that you fall into. And I'll walk through kind of the basic desire of that type and then their fear, which can lead into flaws because oftentimes our flaws come from our fears, right? Mm -hmm. I also want to say thank you to the Enneagram Institute and the YouTuber Frank James for all of this information. Uh... I could not have done this without these sources. They were super helpful and straightforward and clear. And if you want to dip your toe in even more, I recommend going to those sources. But first, let's walk through these nine types. Are you ready, Michelle? I'm so ready. (laughs) Yay. All right. Type number one is the reformer. They are rational, principled, uh, purposeful, self-controlled, and they can be kind of a perfectionist. This might be the goody two-shoes in school. This might be uh, the person that has a super strong sense of right and wrong. So their basic desire is to be good, to have integrity, to be balanced, and their fear is of being corrupt or evil. And this fear can come out in being judgmental or even intolerant of people that are different than them. But you might think of some people that are number one, the reformer, are Confucius, Plato, Joan of Arc, Michelle Obama, and Mary Poppins is a good fictional figure when you you think of the reformer. Interesting. Those are good people. Yeah. Every single one has good people. That's the thing. It's not like better to be one (laughs) over the other. Um, Okay, number two is the helper, and this person is caring, uh, demonstrative, generous. They can be people-pleasing. This is the friend that takes care of you. This person makes a very ideal parent. Uh, They're there to listen and make you feel understood, but sometimes they can go a little bit too far with that. So, Their basic desire is to feel loved, and their basic fear is of being unwanted. And a person that is the helper is Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I love Mr. Rogers. And it's important to note that um, these basic fears that can come out in kind of negative traits, like the helper, if they're not a well-developed person, 
could be a little too people-pleasing, a little bit possessive, even a little bit manipulative. All of these types can turn negative if you're not self-aware of what you are, which is why I think it's really important to be self-aware. Number three is the achiever. They're very success-oriented. They're adaptive. They're driven. They're very conscious of their image. You might think of the high school president or the guy that wanted to be the lead in the play and the star of the football team. They're driven by success, attention, and external validation. And their desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. And their fear is of being worthless. So I always think of Rachel Berry from Glee Mm -hmm. as the achiever. (laughs) It sounds very Slytherin too for my Harry Potter fans out there. Yeah, that makes sense. Number four is the individualist. Um, They're sensitive, expressive, dramatic. They can be a little self-absorbed and temperamental. So think of like, The brooding guy in the corner of the coffee shop that writes poetry in his leather-bound notebook. Mm. See, I was going to ask, how is this not Rachel Berry? Because it's like self-centered, but I see it's more like internally self-centered. Well, yeah, and it's more, uh, number three was about being excellent, being the best at what they do, not necessarily at performing arts, just at uh, the best at what they do. A lot of politicians are achievers. They're the people that are going around and kissing babies and charming everyone around them. Number four is more about demonstrating that they're unique. They're often artists. So their their desire is to find themselves and find their significance. And their fear is that they would have no identity or personal significance. So think of Edgar Allan Poe, Tchaikovsky. Tennessee Williams, and my personal favorite to shout out in this category, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) That's a very random one to put in there. (laughs) So kind of existential, very existential people. Yeah, I would say that they can be. And you might find, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but the types are grouped very particularly because when you're like, say, a three- you can have bits of four and bits of two in you Mm. on either side of you. So they're grouped very particularly. So you might find that like an eight and a one are not similar, but like an eight and a seven, ooh, I could be either one of those. So Right, like a two and a three are both afraid of being unwanted or not valuable, but like in kind of different ways. Like I feel like two is more like I want to be loved like emotionally whereas like three is I want to be valued as a successful person right and I'll get into more that you're kind of diving into what's called wings oh and I know you didn't even know it and I'll I'll after we run through all nine we'll talk through what wings are okay but we are on number five which is the investigator they are intense the cerebral type. They're perceptive, innovative, but they can be secretive and they can be self-isolating. So think of a nerd, a professor. A um, nerd. You just said, think <laughs> of um, a nerd. <laughs> yeah, think of a nerd. Uh, they are driven to understand the world intimately. They want to know why everything works the way that it does 
And they're very conceptual people, not very literal people. So their basic desire is being capable and competent. And their basic fear is being useless, helpless, or incapable. Mm. And a quote from a five that I thought was interesting was, being a five means always needing to learn to take in information about the world. A day without learning is like a day without sunshine for a five. Huh. Okay. I'm I'm bookmarking that one. Yeah. Michelle did come up with the concept for Gaussplain to learn more <laughs> stuff. So. <laughs> wait. Yeah. Wait. Okay. I'm bookmarking. I'm not saying anything yet. <laughs> All right, number six is the loyalist. They are committed, security-oriented. They're engaging, responsible, but they can be a little anxious and suspicious. So this person is your ride or die. They stick with you. They are often very likable people, but they don't get close to a lot of people. They can be anxious and want security. So their basic desire is to have security and support. And their basic fear is of being without support or guidance. I think we found it, boys. <laughs> I think I think you might be a six wing five, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. And a funny one to note for the loyalist, this is Seinfeld's George Costanza. I don't know Seinfeld. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you have to watch it. It's so good. I know. Oh, is that the only example? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the only one I wrote down. Okay. All right. Number seven is the enthusiast. They're busy and fun-loving. They're spontaneous. They're versatile. They can be easily distracted and a little bit scattered. They're energetic, quick learners, and they're really fun to be around, but they can overdo everything because they're afraid of missing out. They have intense FOMO. So their basic desire is to be satisfied and content, uh, to have all their needs fulfilled. And their basic fear is of being deprived or in pain. I'm not trying to figure yours out. I'm thinking. All right. And number, we're almost done. Number eight is the challenger. They are the powerful, dominating type. They're self-confident, decisive, willful, confrontational. They can even be combative. So their basic desire is to protect themselves and to be in control of their own life and their destiny. It's all about power. And their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. A good example for this is Dr. Phil. Oh, why? Because he likes to take control of things. He likes to kind of assert his power to help other people in their situations. And he kind of thrives in this confrontational space. So this one would be afraid of being out of control, essentially. Yeah. Think of like a drill sergeant or like very military, too. Mm, Okay, okay. And then number nine is the peacemaker. They are easygoing. They're receptive, reassuring, agreeable, but sometimes they can be complacent. These people you might find a lot of. This was actually some people say is the most common one or at least what people like quit on a quiz found that this was the most common one. These people are very down to earth. It's the friend that's like, I don't know, where do you want to go? I don't know, what do you want to do? They can be a little bit out of touch with themselves to avoid conflict. So their basic desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. And their basic fear 
is of loss and separation. Yeah, I feel like when I usually hear people doing this quiz, they're like, I'm peacemaker. So that tracks. Yeah. I I also think that the quiz points people in weird directions, any quiz. So it might be best to just go through and like you just did, um, I could see you get a little red in the face when we talked about the flaws (laughs) of the ones that you resonated with. So I think that that's like feel where you're getting a little red in the face, feel where you're starting to get a little embarrassed or being like, ooh, that's me. And then go on the Enneagram Institute and read all about it. They have quotes from people that are this Enneagram type. And that's how I found what I was. But interesting about the Peacemaker, when you look at the Enneagram with all of its nine points, the Peacemaker is at the very top. It's the point at the very top of the Enneagram, which is interesting because it kind of symbolizes that it's trying to be all of the other energies in the Enneagram. All the other ones are flowing through it and it's just trying to go along with everything, but sometimes it can lose itself in the process. That makes sense because they're trying to make peace with all the other traits, all the other personality traits in the world. Yeah. Can I take a guess at what you are? Yeah. So you said I was probably six with a five wing, which we haven't understood wings yet, but like Mm -hmm. that's just the thought. I can understand the basic idea of it. I think that you're a six with a seven wing. No? No. She shook her head no. Okay, well, let's figure it out. Tell me. So I read this quote about it too, which is the helper. Okay. And it really stuck out to me. It said, all my jobs revolved around helping people. I was a teacher who wanted to be sensitive to children and help them get off to a good start. I was a religious educator in a number of parishes. I thought that if people learned about their spiritual lives, they'd be happier. The most important part of my life is my spiritual life. I've been trying to help people for years. Every job that I've had has been focused around helping people. So when I look at my past and the moments that I was happiest, it was when I was helping people and kind of to dive into wings, which I think helps people understand a little bit more about it. So I'm a two, which is the helper. I like to think that I can be generous. I can be very caring. I'm very driven by helping others. But sometimes that comes off in being very people pleasing and losing myself in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see that for me? Yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) Well, that's why I was confused at first because I almost felt connected to two. But I wouldn't say it's what drives me is caring for other people. I say that like people pleasing is definitely a problem for me, but I think it was more along the lens that Six explained it. I really started figuring this out about myself in different jobs that I've had and different situations I've been put in where I felt almost morally corrupt asking things from people when really I just wanted to help them. That was the biggest thing that told me like, gosh, I'm a two. I just want to figure out how to help people. And I uh, I teach, so I think I feel really fulfilled when I'm done teaching, when my students feel like they've gotten a lot out of our classes. So that really pushed me into like, yeah, I'm definitely a two. Yeah. I like sharing this kind of content because I feel like it helps people. <laughs> yeah, well, because I've been really like attracted to teaching, obviously, like I'm, I love learning um and explaining <laughs> things well but like it's definitely fulfilling for you i think in a way that it's not for me like i think it burns me out a little more than it does you when it's like with this lens of helping people and not just for fun you know yeah yeah but to explain wings really fast 
A wing is on either side of your number. So I could be a two wing one or a two wing three. And it means what you're most connected to. And it kind of tells you on the two spectrum, where do you lie? It's, it's different shades of each type. So if I was a two, which is the helper with a wing one, which is the reformer, I would be considered a servant. But if I was a two, the helper, with a wing three, the achiever, I would be considered the host or the hostess. And that's what I consider myself because yep, I love. I was gonna guess it. Wait, I was gonna guess you were with a wing three. I'm so yeah. proud of myself. Because <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you did go to acting school, which right. I think is definitely one of those things like you want to be valued to a certain extent for your success yeah. and your talents. And I love presenting. I love being in front of people. I love uh, like teaching for that aspect too. I don't have a problem with public speaking. So I, I think that that's where I lie. Um, what do you think you are, Michelle? I think it stinks because I, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm always looking to learn necessarily because like I'm a person who sucks at reading. But like I always am watching like a ton of video essays on YouTube and obviously we made a podcast off learning more and more, um, <laughs> call ourselves lifelong learners. So that's why I think that five is a wing for me. But um, I think I need to know more about six because it did really resonate with me. Yeah, um, a six wing five is called the defender, which I think really I said this a few weeks ago like Michelle is always the person that you want on your side she's always the person that you want sticking up for you and I think that that really has to do with you if you go on the Enneagram Institute website and you click on any type it not only walks you through what the type is what the wings are what this means a bunch of different kinds of people that could be the same type as you it also walks you through um different levels of development. So a level one is the best that you can be as a type, whatever you are. And level nine is the worst that you can be. It walks you through um, what other types you might misidentify with, what addictions you might fall through. Interesting. What would you say is the biggest difference between two and six then? Because both are very loyal. Right. Um, I would say that a six is loyal mostly to the people that are very close to them. They can come off at first a little bit like like everyone likes them, everyone knows them, but they have a wall up and only a few people get to really know them and let that wall down. And a two is that friend that's like always holding back your hair when you drank too much <laughs> or like that's holding your hand <laughs> or um, they're the one that like, I don't want to just say things about myself in situations I found myself in. But, but you're like, uh, knowing you and knowing that this describes you perfectly, like this is the friend that is is friends with everyone because they're just so there for everyone. Not because they're like just charming because you obviously are, but because you're always there for people. And like you're the kind of person I I would imagine would be like a mother's dream because you're constantly writing thank you notes for gifts you receive. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> and I think you as a number six, as 
a very loyal person. I've, I've said this in this episode and in the past. And also to you, like, you're just always the person that people can count on. If you're in Michelle's inner circle, like you are in, you're in your inner circle, like, and you are very supportive and you help a lot of people that you care a lot about. Man, Claire, I miss you. I don't know I miss you this too. Podcast, but I miss you. <laughs> I miss you, you so much. I know. <laughs> yeah, that was really sweet. Also, I hope that people listening to us by now have started to understand like whose voice is whose because we're constantly like you're like this, you're like this and they're like if they don't know our voices, they're like Wait, who is like who? <laughs> Wait. No, uh, uh. Yeah, and I know I talk in a lot of voices sometimes, so I never want people to listen and be like, is there a third person there? I know. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. So the Enneagram, I think it is helpful in not boxing you off like a lot of other personality quizzes are, but it's helpful for you to realize your tendencies and work for your strengths, and also to push yourself beyond your common weaknesses. So I love the Enneagram. Thank you so much to my friend Carolina for recommending that we do the Enneagram. Oh, I didn't even know this was a wreck. Thank you. Yeah. And this was Enneagram 101. If you want Enneagram 201, let us know. Michelle, what'd you think about all this? I thought it was way more informative than um, Myers-Briggs, which I'm very thankful for because... Like I said at the beginning, I was getting tired of personality quizzes and this felt a lot less like a personality quiz and more like a, okay, like self-awareness, self-help kind of situation. Yeah. And I feel like I could definitely go explore this more and find out even more on my own terms. So thank you for introducing this to me. And I want you to please get on Enneagram TikTok and Enneagram Twitter (laughs) and Instagram because it is so funny. There's so many funny ones. So I encourage everyone to go uh, dive deep into the Enneagram world. But Michelle, do you hear that? Oh, my God. So loud. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's time for recess. Welcome to recess, everyone. Another lovely break from a lovely episode. (laughs) And I just have to say this, Claire, because we didn't say it at the top of the episode. And for anyone listening to this on the day it comes out, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. Happy (laughs) Thanksgiving. (laughs) What are you doing for Thanksgiving, Michelle? Um, I am having a little socially distanced Thanksgiving because we're not allowed to be with family this year. Me and my roommates are making a big feast together, teaching ourselves how to make the dishes that we would normally just sit around and wait for our parents to make at home. And I know that sounds terrible, but I I truly am not allowed in the kitchen during Thanksgiving. So I'm finally <laughs> able to, I have to be the one in the kitchen this year. So there you go. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Take this Thanksgiving to, to learn something new. <gasps> I'm going to go explain Thanksgiving to myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> How about you? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? I am going to see my parents. We've seen them throughout all of the virus because they only live about two hours away from here. So they're in our little, our little pod. Well, it sounds lovely. I hope all our listeners uh, are either having or already had a wonderful Thanksgiving and are staying safe this year. And we're thankful for all of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Michelle, 
To get to the topic of recess, uh, last week we asked all of our listeners what was their reality TV guilty pleasure and then what's something that's an instant mood booster for them? What's their self-care? So a lot of people actually responded that those two were synonymous, that to stimulate their senses, to make them feel connected with people, reality TV is a way that they turn and My mother was quite upset that we did not mention the Kardashians last week because she feels like they created reality TV, like they founded that kind of branch of reality TV. What what was that like topic sector? I think it would have been considered unstructured by the Emmys, but it's basically we we regarded it as guilty pleasure. Right. And and from from the Kardashians, they have their first, and I'm going to put this in quotations, self-made billionaire from reality TV. And I'm going to put heavy uh, quotations. Be on the record and agree with the quotation marks here, <laughs> just on the record. But yeah, I, Kardashians is a fun show to watch. And it definitely, I mean, reality TV, as the study showed last week, is a way to boost that serotonin or whatever we're just hitting all the marks in past episodes <laughs> and, <laughs> so I, that and makes I, sense. I have to say one more my we have a listener that wrote in personally to me um it was my sister and she <laughs> <laughs> i thought you're gonna like make them anonymous and then you said my sister <laughs> <laughs> i won't tell you which sister it was i'm just kidding i only have one um <laughs> it was my sister and We are obsessed with the challenge. I think I might have mentioned this last week and we cut this section of the episode. Um, But the challenge on MTV, I think they're filming season 36 right now. We've seen all of them, all 36 seasons. We watch it consistently. In college, I used to go over to her house once a week to watch it with her. It's a really big deal to us. I follow all the challenge Instagram accounts and I strategize. I... I, I really don't know if I've ever seen the challenge or have heard of it. Well, now's your chance to get in. It's like Survivor, but better because it's with like the former cast of The Real World. And um, my favorite is they combined all the TV shows from the UK MTV with the US MTV. So they have people from like Love Island UK and they have people from Geordie Shore, which is the UK's version of Jersey Shore. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, it's so fun. Also, this makes me think of uh, the Mary-Kate and Ashley movie where they go on like their world's version of Survivor. Do you remember that? (gasps) Yes. Oh, Oh my my gosh. gosh. Those movies were so good. I want to watch that now. I used to go to Kmart just to get their lip gloss. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, (laughs) this was a lovely recess. Do you have anything more to talk about or? No, I think we better hop into part two here. I'm taking a huge 180 away from Enneagrams, and we're going to talk about how to snake a drain. All right. I just thought, like, we needed something a little simple, something a little practical this week. Going along with the Defender Enneagram, I feel like I just need to defend all our listeners today from clogged drains. All right? Um, You're so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your experience with clogged drains, Claire? I was not expecting this question. Oh my um, god! <laughs> and I just um, mean 
instance, I'll st- I'll start just to get the ball rolling, just so you don't okay. want to get too <laughs> gross in there. Um, I am a person with a lot of hair. If you guys don't physically know me, meaning you haven't physically seen me much, I have very thick hair and I have a, a lot of it. Um, so I shed very often, like a dog, and it gets everywhere. Like it's just everywhere. So obviously, when I wash my hair. I have to be very careful that I don't clog the drain. And mm-hmm. I also live with two other women and we share a shower. And so this is an important topic for us, you know. <laughs> uh, my personal experience with clogged drains and trying to not clog a drain is that I make hair art while I'm in the shower. Um, I, as it's, and I know this is gross, but you, Ew. you, I don't like make art like Picasso, but you know, I, to avoid it going down the drain, you just have any hair that you have in your hands and you just put it on the wall and then you clean it off when you're done. Right. So that it doesn't go down the drain. And I know this is this might get a little bit of a gross topic. So I'm just warning you for anyone who gets um, auditorially disgusted by things like this. But it's, <laughs> the fa- it's a factor of life. Okay. We have right. hair that goes down drains. Well, I know my experience with it is I also shared the bathroom with my sister growing up. We were in charge once we were a little bit older of snaking our own drain. You know, we got that like wire hanger, mm. put it down there. And it was it was really gross. But I can also say living with Jeff, he was and he grew up with all brothers. Mm. I don't think he was aware of how much girls shed in general. But also how much hair gets in the drain. We just had to buy another thing of Drano because he was like, we just bought Drano when we moved in a few months ago and we already need it again. Yeah, that's I think we actually are in need of Drano in my household, which we will get to. But I will say to (laughs) any men or people who uh, just don't have much hair and have never had much hair. Um, if you ever end up living with someone who has a lot of hair, fair warning to you that you will need to know how to do this, too, because, man, I have lived with many people who didn't know that, you know, hair is an issue for drains. And it's not it's not us long haired people's fault. You know, <laughs> it's it's just a factor of life for us. We can't control it. And so today I'm going to teach you some easy steps to snaking your drains, to tips to avoid messy drains, you know? I myself usually just pour some Drano down there and use a little plastic snake, but there's a lot more to it than that, all right? So we're getting get <laughs> fancy in here. First of all, did you know a snake is also called a drain auger? That's the fancy name for it, a drain auger auger. There are actually (laughs) electric ones that help you drill through the drain if it's really backed up. Oh, God. And obviously there's drains that are clogged that aren't just um, bathtub drains. Oftentimes you can get your um, sink in your kitchen clogged if you put too much food down there. So that might be a situation you might need to help that out. Um, And so that's the types. You could get a plastic ones that you don't need to pull that much out with. That's usually the ones like me and Claire would use to pull our hair out. But there's also fancy metal ones that aren't electric, but they're just more sturdy, you know? I did the wire hanger method where I (laughs) took a hanger and I broke it open and I used the hook on the hanger to hook the hair out. 
I think that's that that that's smart too. I think there might be problems with damaging the ceramic by scraping it. Sorry, mom and drain. dad. That was but at your house. I <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a plumber scientist, so I can't know for sure. <laughs> so once you put that snake in there, you crank it. And you don't stop cranking it even if it hits a blockage. You just have to crank that snake through it, get the stuff out, right? Ew. Claire looks so disgusted. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We just got to get there. We just got to talk about it. Then you have to test the water to see if it goes down well. If it doesn't go down well, that's when you bring the Drano in. And usually, you know, you got to bring the Drano in just to make sure you get everything, in my opinion. But if you don't want to use Drano, you're, you don't, you're not a fan of the chemicals. There's other things you can do. For instance, you can heat up a tea kettle and just pour hot water directly down the drain. The things I read said that you want to avoid just putting the hot water like from the shower down the drain because that's not really going to do much. It's never going to get as hot as a tea kettle um, and it's just not going to go as directly into it as you'd want. So yeah, get the tea kettle, boil some water, put it down the drain. That should help you. Um, You could also make a homemade solution that really does the trick of half a cup of baking soda with one cup of vinegar. I am just thinking about doing all this now. The second I always hear something about how to clean something that I haven't thought about, I'm like, oh my God, I need to go do it right now. Yeah, I mean, I never knew about the half cup of baking soda with one cup of vinegar thing, which I'm going to keep saying because oftentimes when I hear recipes like that, I immediately forget the serving size. So it's half a cup of baking soda with one (laughs) cup of vinegar and you just pour it down there and you let it sit for 15 minutes like as long as you would Drano so I haven't tried it we'll both try it see what happens I guess but it is an option and you know what you know what Claire I just need to say it because we haven't said it yet you need to know how to do this because how are you gonna have a peaceful cold shower if your drain's all clogged up true it all comes back around to the cold shower. The cold shower cult needs to be here every episode. We always are putting <laughs> it in there. And you want that peaceful cold shower without the cold nipping at your feet because it's clogged. Just got to say that. That's true. It's always really gross when you're like in the shower and it's like up to your ankles. Yeah, that's how you know that you need to do something. <laughs> yeah. So here's some tips to avoid a uh, bad drain essentially for your garbage disposal if you have if you're lucky enough to have a garbage disposal i myself am not (laughs) use cold water when you have the garbage disposal on and let the garbage let the water run down it for 30 seconds after using the disposal to clean everything out all right um clean your shower drain often you should be doing it once a week man i know it's hard to forget but you gotta clean that and don't throw trash in your drains in your drains including you know your toilet too just don't throw trash in there it's just for the smaller stuff and also going back to your kitchen sink um i i just need to put this in there i didn't even read this anywhere but i've realized that not a lot of people know this don't put oil down the drain it will ruin your pipes do not put oil ever down any drains just needed to say it that's good to know you have to put that in your trash it, it damages wow i think i told my mom this recently mom if you're listening i'm disappointed in you <laughs> michelle's like talking with her hands like getting really passionate about this i had no idea you were you were so loyal to your drain <laughs> okay okay i see what you did there but that's that's basically i wanted to keep it short so we could have a lot of talk on enneagrams that's basically it 
I just have a question for you, Claire, because I'm actually very passionate about this. What's your favorite <laughs> type of shower drain? Can you walk me through the types? Well, like in my life, I've had many different types of shower drains, right? Like you can have a fancy shower where it's like a line and there's slits in the line and that's what the water goes through. You can have like one that a shower that like it goes into like a little whole divot in the center and it's uh-huh. like it's like little dots in it. And that's a drain. Or you can have it where, you know, the drain's sticking up and you have to like, and everything goes under the stick up bit. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. That's like kind of a tub shower combo yeah, a lot of times. That, that's yeah. for a tub. Um, or you could have it where the, the, the one with the, the circle one with the dots is like at the end of the tub. That's what I have at my house is it's, it's kind of a combination of the stick up one. Okay. And, the um the circular one with the dots or slits in it there's probably more but those are the main ones what's your favorite type you think that you've had i think the easiest one to not get hair stuck in we have two showers here and is um our like regular stand-up shower that just has like the circle with a bunch of little holes in it i whenever i finish a shower i just grab a little toilet paper, grab my hair, and throw it in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a tub shower combo that I also shower in sometimes because it's bigger. And that has just like the standard stick up one. And I think I would say that's my favorite because it is very large, but it's also very gratifying to clean and really easy to clean. You just like unscrew the lid on it. That's what I grew up with. I'm you shocked. Snake, when you snake it, it like comes out in one big piece. This is disgusting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm shocked right now. <laughs> What's your favorite? Not that one. Not clearly. that one. You have to really get in there for that one. Like it's more, you have to see it all at once, you know, when you clean it. That's what I'm all about. I like having Jump in. as little cleanup as possible, you know? And I feel like that one, ooh, you get... you get all of it. And I think it goes without saying, but you should always be wearing gloves when you clean. Right. One of these things, because not only is it nasty, but if you put chemicals down there, that's very bad for you. Um, But yeah, I would say my favorite was the first one you said you have, which is in the middle with the circular dots, because if it's in the bathtub like it is at my place, the water doesn't drain as easily. You know, it has to go so much farther down to the drain. But when it's like right under you in the middle, that's a sweet spot. Do you have a tub? Or is I have, it just a shower? I have a tub. So tub shower. you lay on that in the tub? No. So it goes... So it's where the drain would usually be. It has slits in it. I think I just like what I grew up with. Yeah. Well, I... When I was, like, in the tub, I could, like, pull it open with my toe and it would start draining. Oh, my gosh. I think I did have that when I was younger, too. But this also goes to the question of do you like baths or not? And I'm a person who actually does not like baths. So... That's part of it. I don't need the bathtub. It's true. But that's that's about it for for my lesson. I hope you have lovely showers with a very um, unclogged drain. I'm actually very inspired. I have inspired myself to now go clean my shower today. And I'm going to test all of this out. Thank you. Please test it all. Go to your neighbors and and, and test everything. Yeah, too. Well, I want to say I think it's really interesting living with a partner which person ends up doing that kind of stuff. I think that it's always me because I volunteer for this kind of stuff because I'm like, oh yeah, like let's get in there. Let's clean it out. And I find like cleaning really gratifying. But this kind of stuff, I think one person in the relationship 
always like takes over this kind of stuff like if if we have to deep Mm -hmm. scrub the microwave like you bet that's me you know like if we have to snake the drain oh that's me but like if the porch needs to be sweeped jeff does that or like the you know something needs to be fixed he'll do that so i think it's funny which person in like the relationship ends up doing which kind of thing are you a snake the drain type I think that I don't like sneaking the drain, but definitely when I'm in a relationship with someone who, you know, doesn't have much hair and I live with them, I would be the person to snake it because I like, (laughs) I deserve this. I put this on you. I know this is my, this is my problem and I know I need to deal with it, you know? Well, have fun cleaning your bathtubs today. That is the end. Follow us on at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And for our homework today, answer us on social media. What's your Enneagram number? And what's your favorite shower drain? <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you next time. Bye!